What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 83 of the Lombard Trucking Show, where I'm coming at you live right now from the Planet Fitness parking lot in Nampa, Idaho, where the gains will continue until rates improved. I'm uh, waiting on a load. Uh, they, I had one offer that was a loader going back to Dallas. It was absolutely just a disrespectful amount of pay, especially for hauling an RGN trailer. So I'm standing by. Uh, I've been just pumping iron and getting my steps in and hanging out. And uh, joining me on the show today is former guest of the show, the editorial director over at Freight Waves, Rachel Premack. She's normally free during the day to do this. I've been trying to have her back on to talk about the drama at Yellow, but she needs to. I need to keep the supply chain crisis going during the day, and she needs to feed the supply chain crisis narrative while I, while I drive it. Indeed. She's running the narrative on it. So, Rachel, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally uh, work out and and that that I can join the show. Yeah, there, so there's a lot there's a lot going on with Yellow. And for those of you who aren't like too familiar with the logistics industry, Yellow, also known as YRC, uh, is a large, less than truckload freight carrier or LTL, and they're they're over a hundred years old. And what's funny is they call themselves Yellow but they actually have orange. And so that's why I got the proper hat for it, but kind of, but Rachel, if you want to sum up, so who, who is yellow? If you want to give them a description, how much do you know about them? Yeah. So they made $5 billion in revenue last year. They are the number three largest LTL carrier in the industry, but they've been pretty troubled for a long period of time. Just over the past, since 2009, they almost went bankrupt five times uh, the most recent being a few weeks ago, they got a waiver on some uh, some of its debt covenants and um, they managed to avoid bankruptcy that time around, although that's still pending, of course. So, yeah, they're just a large trucking carrier in the LTL space, very old, very renowned. Um, and they have a something that's kind of unusual about them is that they basically acquired all of these regional LTL carriers in the early 2000s. That includes Holland Freight in the Midwest, right away in the Northwest, and New Penn in the Northeast. Um, so until recently, all of those brands kind of operated independently of Yellow, but um, several years ago, Yellow decided to launch this, quote, One Yellow initiative to try to integrate all of these brands together. And that's kind of why we're seeing some of these um, issues and tensions right now between Yellow and Teamsters. Okay. Now what was, I'm curious because, you know, we, you, the last time you were on the show, we had talked about, you know, deregulation, essentially the ramifications of it. How did, how was yellow and these companies that they've acquired, you know, how did they, how did they survive? Did they survive off of a customer base? Because I know that Craig Fuller over at Freight Waves has been talking about how, you know, he, he kind of pushes this narrative of how unions are, are uh, you know, dead or don't work in the in the trucking industry anymore or they're on their deathbed. So how did Yellow survive after 1980? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. So LTL is more tends to be is more likely to be unionized than full truckload. LTL is also, you know, a much smaller chunk of the trucking industry. So that's why you don't hear too much about trucking unions nowadays outside of, you know, the LTL industry. So how Yellow survived, I mean, it is it is definitely commendable in some ways that we still do have Yellow and other uh, unionized LTL carriers when you've got, you know, Saya and Old Dominion and all these other, you know, attractive 
competitors. The thing with LTL, and I think the reason why unions have survived in LTL so long, is that LTL is really hard to break into. You have to build these, you know, really intricate, complex, dense networks with LTL. Whereas in full truckload, I mean, I could start a truckload. Well, I don't have a CDL, but if I had a CDL, I could start a trucking company tomorrow. Um, get some sort of loan to buy a truck and I could, you know, get on Uber Freight or some other brokerage app and be and be in business. I don't know how much money I'd be making, but I would be in business. LTL, you can't just, you know, decide tomorrow, oh, I'm going to open an LTL company. Um, so it, it's definitely the barriers to entry for LTL is much higher than truckload. And that's why Yellow as well as um, ABF and T-Force, those are the three big LTL union carriers, that's how they still exist. But it is notable that the share of revenue in LTL that is union has greatly decreased over the past 40 years. No, that, Even that makes sense. Years. Yeah, that, no, that makes perfect sense because I, yeah, like I, for example, I'm not going to haul LTL freight because I don't know even how that works. I remember at my previous job, I would call LTL carriers like either Estes or RNL or ABF, whenever there was like, we would have a, a like a recall or something on a, a water heater. Somebody would have a warranty item on like say a water heater or a boiler or something like that. And so one boiler would come back, I would palletize it. And so these guys mm -hmm. would just come to our warehouse and pick up one pallet. So like, mm -hmm. and, I, and I would call RNL directly to do that. So as a single owner operator, or yeah, if you just like anybody else who wants to come in the trucking industry, you're not going to buy one truck or five trucks and be like, well, yeah, this is what I'm going to, or, and then the trailers too. And then just be like, oh, I'm going to haul like two pallets at a time. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's already hard enough trying to like build one dependable customer who will give you, you know, full truckloads, let alone building out. I don't know how many customers at a time you can haul in a single LTL or what the average number is, but building out that number all the time you're always hauling all 10 of those people this just seems really challenging for you know a small independent owner operator even a company with 50 to 100 trucks that's still pretty challenging to pull off so they uh, there was a huge recession in 2009 uh, also also friend and former guest of the show uh, Chris Indy Trucker he came on with his friend Dave and he he him and I have talked about 2009 a lot he's went into detail about that because he was he, he's been a, a single truck owner operator for, for a, a well over a decade now. He, he remembers uh, 2009 explicitly. So Yellow survived that. Now, here's what's crazy. They spent, you would think, in the world of consolidation, buying companies, buying right away, you know, uh, acquiring all these uh, other smaller carriers regionally, too, that they would be doing better. But I don't see ABF having problems. Yeah, so... The, the timing of when Yellow acquired these these companies and then the recession happening, you know, it, one of the acquisitions was in 2003, the other one was in 2005, the freight recession kind of starting in 2006, 2007, depending on who you ask. And then, of course, the larger Great Recession in 2008 to 2010 just like a very bad timing to make very expensive acquisitions. Um, they were in debt, I believe around a billion dollars by the time of 2008 to 2010. And they're still carrying quite a bit of that debt today. So it's, it's kind of these acquisitions, they haven't fully been able to get rid of the, 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 the 
huge load that they took on from from acquiring these companies. And that's still what is kind of challenging them today. What drivers at some of those small regional brands would say is, look, we're actually the ones who have really good customer relations. We're the ones who are making a lot of money. If you look at the um, operating ratio of YRC freight versus the regional companies, what back um, prior to 2016, their earnings report, they actually broke out how their regional LTL carriers were doing versus their national um, YRC or yellow uh, brand was doing. And the regional carriers did have a much better operating ratio than the the national YRC one. So it's an interesting kind of debate of did acquiring these regional companies help or hurt yellow? When you look at the debt load, it's definitely that um, maybe it wasn't the best idea, you could yeah. argue. Yeah, they they grit like they they took on too much. And, exactly. And essentially, yeah, and essentially it made them lose track of every all the other problems going on. They thought that by acquiring more assets through these other carriers that may, maybe it would make all their problems go away. Mm-hmm. It's a, they almost had, yeah, they thought that retail therapy was going to <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe fix some of their problems. They went out shopping and I guess they're starting to pay for it. So they've, yeah. uh, you know, Freightways has said that they've, this, you know, they've been on the verge of bankruptcy four times. Now what's, what's led up to this one? Because they received 700 million, number one, there, I don't know how many other trucking companies. I know that small owner operators took PPP money because the PPP loans were out there for some people. Uh, so I know that there was COVID bailout money to even small businesses, but they got $700 million in COVID bailout money. Did they go out? From what I see, it looks like they all went out, bought G wagons, and sent their execs to Vegas. So what what happened with that with that money? So the that's something I'm trying to look into right now, what happened with that money. They've pointed to, um, you know, increased equipment purchasing. They also around that same time moved their global headquarters or their um, you know national headquarters to from Overland Park, Kansas to Nashville, Tennessee, which was supposed to be kind of a strategic move to help build relations um, on their sales department. Um, but that's definitely a big question that a lot of people. Uh, employees at yellow on the driver's side have asked is what happened to the 700 million dollars um and it's 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 absolutely a a question that many have have also has also asked and i think you were kind of talking about this earlier um the 700 million dollar loan it was something that was unique in trucking absolutely because this the way that they got the loan was by arguing, oh, we are a um, department of defense contractor. If we go under, uh, the DOD will not be able to, you know, move its loads dependably. And this was, of course, it is important to note, this was during the height of the supply chain crisis when we didn't know if things were going to arrive. We didn't, people were just learning that like trucks and warehouses (laughs) exist at this time, Um, that not everything is carried by trains and planes, which, a weird number of people think so there, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of how trucking works and that you know even if yellow had gone bankrupt th- there there are other companies that could have hauled the Department of Defense loans and right now that whole loan is under investigation by Congress right now because um, there's certainly a lot of questions on how exactly this came about and if it was necessary or yeah, advisable no, absolutely so so it's, we've, you know, we've learned, you've gone over, you know, how they got here. Now what's been, yeah, what's been the dilemma between the Teamsters and Yellow now? Because, 
you know, they when when the bankruptcy news had broke about a month ago, there was involvement with the Teamsters. But now yellow, it looks like yellow's trying to do something to try to to keep from going bankrupt. And so, yeah, what's been going on with yellow and the, and the Teamsters for the past like month and a half? So the the current debacle, you could say, between Yellow and Teamsters, Yellow um, integrated uh, under its One Yellow initiative, uh, the company managed to integrate its West Coast and the Western U.S. Um, networks. Now it wants to integrate its networks in the Midwest and the Northeast. The problem is that um, there are all these supplemental Teamsters contracts in the Midwest and the Northeast, especially, I believe, in the Midwest under Holland, that blocks them from being able to integrate those networks. Um, so Teamsters told Yellow, look, if you want to make these changes, you'll need to reopen our uh, collective bargaining agreement early. Typically, um, they would start renegotiating the, the bargaining agreement by the end of this year. It expires, um, their most recent agreement expires in March of 2024, but Yellow and Teamsters agreed to open it early to kind of negotiate some of these, um, some of these changes to allow Yellow to uh, integrate its networks. The controversial thing about, or the most controversial thing I should say about integrating these networks that um, Teamsters was really pushing against is that it would convert about the number is like 980 or 990, basically a thousand Teamsters yellow drivers from line haul drivers to utility drivers. Now the utility drivers would be doing a lot more dock work. They wouldn't just be, you know, driving long haul as they do or, you know, mid haul, mid distance, whatever you want to call it as they do now. Um, they would instead be doing more dock work. On top of that, and, you know, sort of the changes in their work, um, several of them who I've interviewed actually said that this change in their job description would also make them not make it not as much money. So the hourly pay that a lot of them would receive would be about $27 an hour as utility drivers. But as line haul drivers, they currently make, you know, around $38 an hour, including um, their mileage pay and time spent waiting and all these other sorts of things that yellow drivers um, get paid for. Um, so keep in mind, there's about 22,000 uh, yellow employees represented by Teamsters. And that does include, that doesn't just include drivers, that also includes um, clerical workers and some dock workers and some other sorts of employees. Um, but the, sorry, it's, it's a very complicated issue. So I'm probably going on too long, but just to give you a full picture. Um, the the current situation now, you know, Yellow is pushing for these changes. Teamster said no. And Yellow said then, okay, if you don't make these changes, we could go bankrupt. Yet Teamster said, okay, go ahead, shut down. We don't care. We've given you enough concessions this is like over the past 15 years. Yellow then sued Teamsters and made clear, if you don't make these changes, we might run out of cash by mid-July. Following that, Yellow made a... Yellow um, got some covenants of or some waivers on some of its debt covenants with a group of its lenders. That waiver lasts for the next two quarters with um, the larger group of lenders, which includes um, Apollo Capital, a large uh, or Apollo Global, a large hedge fund, 
and it's a one quarter waiver with the U.S. Treasury, which has a 30 percent stake in yellow following the seven hundred million dollar loan. Um, the newest development on this, which uh, came out uh, this week, is that um, Yellow missed a key $50 million payment into the central state's pension and health and welfare fund. That means by uh, July 23rd, I believe, the Teamsters, Teamsters drivers will no longer have their health insurance and will no longer qualify for additional pension payments. In addition to that, um, as a result of Yellow not making that payment, um, Yellow drivers can, Teamsters Yellow drivers can strike by July 24th, which is Monday. Teamsters has given, yes, Dominic, you are correct. <laughs> the, the U.S. Treasury does have a 30% stake in Yellow. Um, the, um, where was I? I lost my train of thought. Yellow says, oh, no, we just wanted, you know, a some some time to make this payment we just we we're not we're gonna pay it we just need like a little bit of time to to make the payment um yeah sounds like sounds like somebody who bets on sports yeah I got it's it a, next week it, i got you it's next a big week. mess it's yeah. a big mess but um the bottom line is that yellow does have a have some waivers on its debts agreements um but at this point, they owe $50 million to Teamsters. They're going to have to owe another $50 million eventually to pay off July. And um, according to its most one of a recent federal uh, financial filing, they have about $100 million in cash. A lot of shippers at this point are pulling out from Teamsters because they don't want to use Teams, uh, or sorry, are pulling out from Yellow because they don't want to use um, Yellow because they're scared that their freight is going to be stranded, um, especially given a a potential strike on Monday. Um, so that will further, you know, draw down Yellow's cash reserves. So it's it's a very um, challenging spiral, I would say. And that is my yeah. long monologue on what's going on right now. No, that it's it's like a, it's a huge one-two punch. It's crazy. I was just talking to uh, a, a friend of mine from back in Connecticut. Uh, he was he had just messaged me back because I put us on my story a picture of, uh, of a yellow truck and I linked my podcast I recorded the other nights and it said dead dead man walking and he responded to me and he was saying uh, he goes yeah I, he goes I've told all my customers to stop using mm. yellow to just be in case so I mean like this is just so this is all over the country like small like small logistics yeah. companies everywhere is starting to slowly pull that out but talk about like yeah. to just to recap like. Talk about a, a one-two punch. So what's crazy is what a lot of people don't know, and for the non-driver listeners out there or non-logistics industry, like for the most part, if you work in dry freight, it's considered no-touch freight. So like whenever I was bumping docks as a dry van driver, and same things with these, like it, you, you know, you're you're not touching the freight. A lot of that has to do with counting and liability and stuff like that, and it also doesn't fall under your job description. Now, doing flatbed—that's something I do. These LTL carriers don't really deal with that. But the thing is, with the union, at least with in yellow, the fact of the matter is, so yellow essentially wanted to consolidate because they needed to do something to save money because they were clearly hemorrhaging money somewhere. So they're like, okay, we need to regionalize or we need to consolidate. We need to do something out here to uh, to, to do this. But the teamsters are like, well, hey, this is going to affect the jobs because the thing is, when it comes to the dock work, and I had a friend who used to drive for Red Away. He's actually a he's a friend of the show. He lives out he lives out in the Western Eleven. He, um, I mean that like when you start out with one of those jobs, you don't start driving, like you start driving mm -hmm. more as you get seniority. 
So like, yeah. as you get seniority, you do less dock work. So essentially, like, and this is what's been, and similar actually happens with uh, police. This happened with the police in Austin, Texas. You know, they, hmm. they had lost some funding. And so some of these police officers who were tenured, they, w- they had to go back to doing, they, they had these specialized positions, whether it was boat patrol or this or hmm. horse, you know, like that. So Austin police, eventually after doing so many years as a patrol officer, you can go and do other cool parts of being a cop, I guess. I've always and, wondered how you get the boat patrol or the horse patrol jobs. I was literally yeah. just talking about this with someone recently. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's time. And obviously, you know, are you, you know, how good of a police officer you are? So same thing because the police are union as well. So eventually you get yeah. tenure to get those jobs. And essentially what Yellow was doing is, yeah, is, is, yeah, we have to consolidate. But then, but then all the teamsters were saying is, hey, we got to do something because if you're going to send these, if, if you're going to tell me if you, like, cause how are the teams are supposed to go to a 15 year, you know, uh, union member, Hey, buddy, yeah. you got to go back to the docks and, and you're going to yeah. be doing this work. And Oh yeah, by the way. And, and Oh, you got to tell this guy in Vegas who, where it's now 120 degrees, Hey, you're going to be going back to doing the docks. So yeah. it's just, and, yeah. and so yellow didn't want to concede to that. They're like, well, n- well, we're going to run out of money. And the teams are like, go ahead and then on, so then on top of that you know yellow is tr- basically tried to backdoor not make you know pension and health care payments and it's it's coming back to bite him so it, it seems like bad management on yellow's end where i'm curious is uh with with like because i remember reading the headline you know how why are the teamsters in the position to let twenty two thousand jobs go so like, this what, is what yeah would they Sorry. would they would they find work for them? Like, are they just willing to just abandon them or what 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 do you think? So this is definitely one of the more controversial and interesting sides of this whole or at least that that I find this definitely the most interesting and unusual part of this. So one reason why, you know, some folks in the industry, you know, bankers and uh, analysts and whatnot think that it's more likely this time around that yellow could finally go bankrupt is because they no longer have that teamster support. So during the, over the last, you know, 30 or 40 years, generally unions have tried to give concessions, try to work with the companies because they think, okay, well, you know, union power is generally declining. We should be happy that we have any unions or position right now. Let's work with the companies to make sure we can keep them propped up and that they don't, you know, fold. So that was the way of thinking for until pretty recently. Um, now we're seeing the Teamsters, new Teamsters general president, Sean O'Brien. Um, he has taken what he publicly says is a militant approach, especially when it comes to um, UPS negotiations that we're seeing right now. And we're also seeing that in my uh, native stomping grounds of Detroit, the UAW president, Sean uh, Sean Fain has also kind of taken on the same, um, the same sort of sort of uh, direction, which is you know we're not going to be get, giving concessions anymore to these large corporations. If they want union labor, they're going to have to pay for it. And there was a really interesting union um, lawyer who I spoke to for the story that you mentioned a, a week or two ago. His argument was, uh, if you're going to open a trucking company you could probably save money by not having brake pads. Like you could save a lot of money by not having brake pads, but we would never say, oh yeah, like go ahead, operate without brake pads. That's a great way for this company to operate. 
because that's bad for safety. It's just not the proper way to, to run a company. His argument is that union labor should be seen the same way. If you can't afford to give humane, well-paying jobs to Teamsters employees, you shouldn't be in the trucking industry. You shouldn't be in the whatever industry that you're in. And it's it's interesting because we don't know yet how this take is going to work if it ends up with yellow going bankrupt and these 22,000 union jobs vanishing. That's certainly, you know, a black mark on, on this sort of approach. But the other interesting side of this is that what's going on with UPS, that certainly has captured the public a lot more. I mean, even yesterday I, I tweeted something about UPS pilots and it got like 20,000 likes and a bunch oh, yeah. of retweets and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? And then, you know, people are really into the UPS thing, but they're not really following the yellow side of things. Um, I know I'm, well, this is not. Logi logistics <laughs> isn't sexy, man. You talk about UPS, you talk about getting that online yeah. order. People are like, oh, oh no, but you talk about yellow freight. Ugh. It's like, what's Whatever. that? I've never heard of yeah. that. And it's like, well, it's all interconnected. But um, so it's an interesting gamble because it does seem that Teamsters will likely be successful with pushing UPS because UPS just has has been so profitable as so much money. Um, but Yellow, as we've been discussing, is in a really challenging economic state. And it could be the case that pushing them is not something that could result in a win for, for Teamsters or its employees or its yeah. uh, members, I should say. The Teamsters basically, essentially, they have the resources to probably save and lobby for one. Like they, like they have, the the Teamsters probably have a lot in where to, to where where if the Teamsters really wanted to, they could probably solve everything with Yellow. But I think that they're but if they do that, they then there could be an issue with UPS that they don't want to happen because they'd rather UPS. Keep, I think the Teamsters would rather UPS continue to work because of how much money UPS makes, as opposed to Yellow, which although it would be disruptive and would cause issues, eventually the, the gap in Yellow's market would be overtaken by mm -hmm. other other players. And I personally think, I still think the Teamsters would, those 22,000 drivers, I think they're going to be like, they're going to try to get them to ABF or and the other organizations. because And I know that uh, Craig Fuller and, you know, and Rooster, who, who uh, used to, you know, was uh, over at Freightways, were talking about how Facebook pages are like saturated now with drivers looking at non-union work. These union mm. drivers are not going to like what they see outside of the LTL world when it comes to the employment out here, because it's going to require them to go over the road. It's And if they want a certain yeah. level of pay and like, they're going to realize that their paycheck is, is, is going to be cut in half, especially if they want health care. Like if they want health care, yes. like the, the benefits that these companies offer, I I'm inclined. I, I would love that lawyer's contact information because I love his, his, that brake pad reference, because that's the truth. And that's what we talk about a lot on the show. That's what we talk about with Gord is that it's, it's that we're seeing the ram the ramifications of not paying for good quality labor, which comes with these union truck drivers is the result of what we're seeing over the road. Now we're seeing less safe drivers. And then the ones who that we're seeing the, the trucking companies that operate within the laws of having driver facing cameras, even though it's not a law, having ELDs, all this stuff, their turnover is, is atrocious, is atrocious. Mm -hmm. And then the people, mm -hmm. but then on the flip side, so since you have all these in, incessant regulations and all this other stuff, the people who are 
the, there are people who want a good paycheck. They operate outside of the law. And that's where your the lack of safety is and, and all yeah. this other and all this other stuff. So and it, it's it's indicative of any business when you like it's just like, you know, I used to work at a plumbing and heating wholesaler and we would have people come in all the time and other plumbers and HVAC guys come in. Oh, yeah. They would they'd be, we'd be going to so many jobs where they're reinstalling somebody's air conditioning unit, something, whatever, something HVAC or plumbing related. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to help out a friend because they used this plumber they found on Facebook who would do it for this price. This is like in, it, when you pay cheap, you get cheap. And it's yeah. like when you, yeah. you, you know, it, it's it, that's that's the, the price you pay. So I, 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 I like that lawyer's rhetoric on the brake pads because that's essentially what we, I mean, we have so many trucks out here without brake pads. I could tell you that right now. <laughs> there, are tr- there are trucks right out here. I, I couldn't even imagine how many trucks are actually on the road right now that oh, are gosh. within violation because people can't afford to keep their trucks within, you know, yeah. the, these regulations. So it's oh, it's it's tough. But yeah, no, it's it's yeah. really it's 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 really interesting. So what, what's your take on all this? What do you what do you think? You th- so do you think yellow is going to go on strike Monday? So they are. It's they could they could they as uh, they went through the protocols. Teamsters gave the seventy two hour notice. It's completely within the rights of the contract for them to go on strike. I mean, it's something that when I but on the other hand, when I've talked to yellow drivers for you know various stories over the past few weeks it's interesting and this is something that justin martin has actually talked a little bit about especially with the rail workers is that i think on one hand you think that there's this like what justin has talked about and you know as a former uh you know union member as well he sort of said you know there's sort of this perspective that union members are all like extremely like far left communist like super whatever like like they're like let's burn down the the like wall street i don't know it's like yeah, there's sort they, of this perspective people like think that, that. They, it's like the french revolution and they, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all the they're all these people storming the bastille and they yeah they want to they think that they're all these jacobin terrorists or something yeah exactly which is, exactly which isn't true yeah yeah and i i've definitely you know when justin said that that definitely made me think and you know growing up in detroit where basically everyone is in a union or gets some sort of um, fringe benefits. Like even my mom, my mom is not a unionized worker, but she, her 401k match is like 10%, which is insane, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But anyways, basically um, what Justin has argued and what I also noticed while um, talking to a lot of these uh, yellow truck drivers is that a lot of them are very, very upset about, the concessions that they've made over the years. I haven't even really gone into those concessions, but the biggest one is that their pension has been paid, um, has been underfunded by about 75% since 2011. So typically every year that you work at Teams at Yellow, you get uh, $100 a month uh, per year when you retire. Now you have to work four years to get that $100 a month. So there is people who thought, oh, I'm going to retire, you know, my late fifties, early sixties, which you know, t- some people might think retiring in your 50s is very luxurious, but, you know, keeping in mind that these are jobs where you're working 60, 70 hours a week, presumably you'd want to, you know, enjoy yeah. your life and, and retire, you know, maybe yeah, on the for, early side. Yeah, and they're doing these jobs for 30 years. And and like I talked about a lot, some of these people don't take the best care of themselves. They don't have to. Yeah. So it's just, you know, they've break, they break, broken their backs doing it. 
Yeah, a lot of the guys I've talked to for this story have definitely been on, you know, um, have definitely been on leave for injuries and, you know, various sorts of sorts of um, health health concerns. Um, so a lot of them have had to scrap their retirement plans. And that's the whole point of working at a union company, essentially, is to be able to retire at a at a normal young-ish age. So that that's definitely something that has infuriated a lot of the folks that I've spoken to. But other than that, and of course, they're upset by the pay and sort of what they see as mismanagement. But, you know, getting back to my original point here for they're not looking to like, you know, burn down teams uh, yellow, like about half of the folks that I spoke to for a story where I spoke to about 17 total uh, yellow employees about half of them said, yeah, we want Teamsters to negotiate with Yellow. We want Teamsters to get something figured out because we want to keep our jobs. The other half say, you know, we agree with um, Sean O'Brien's take that we shouldn't negotiate, that we should like stand firm, that no concessions, like if Yellow shuts down, so be it. Um, so it, it, folks are kind of split, I think. And I, I imagine that quite a few people would be hesitant around a strike just because that could drive Yellow further into financial issues and then, you know, cause them to eventually lose their jobs. So it's 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 an interesting kind of dilemma. And as I've spoken to people, you know, three weeks ago versus yesterday, definitely folks are getting more and more worried because they have heard so many times, oh, Yellow's going to go bankrupt. Like, it's over. And then, you know, something happens, an 11th hour fix happens and everything's fine. Um, but it seems a little bit more serious this time around. So drivers and employees are certainly more concerned and kind of just want the company to, to keep on, essentially. Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely interesting. I, like I said, I... I, I, I am in more in line with, with the Teamsters and how many of their employees feel like when it comes to the pay and the benefits and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. it, it, the truth of the matter is like I get and, it, and that's the thing. It's like there's so many things I say and there's so many things other people say or union employees say that, yeah, they have this fear of that if they're standing up for a union or better pay, they have this fear of sounding like a, a communist, like some sort of Marxist. But it's just the reality. But yet these same people who would like to call me a communist or whatever, even though I'm the, what's funny is that's how, you know, you're doing something right. When you're called a fascist and a communist in the same day, you're probably onto something, yeah. right? You know, that's, that's the whole thing because both <laughs> has happened to me. So that's how I know I'm not, that's how I'm no, I'm not either. So I've been called both, but like, well, I have I mean, as well, honestly, yeah. like yeah. I've been claimed. I'm like part of the alt-right, but then also part of like the, far left it's like which is it like yeah. pick, pick which one is it? Pick, pick which one i am please but but the reality is there's so many people especially a lot of conservatives who always seem to long for these days and everybody always says oh i was raised you know my father worked my mom was at home like they people yeah. long for this they long for this idea of a strong middle class where you can own a home in your 20s and raise a family of four and stuff yeah. like that and it's just like well you they did that because the wages and benefits were good for one, for one person. And people have their speculations on, oh, well, I, I you know, did did more women entering the labor force drive down wages? I, I don't mm -hmm. I, I can't like it's a possibility because when you've when you've saturated the market more for and I've seen that argument how they've wanted they've wanted to drive more women and more workers in the market for more tax dollars. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. If there's if there's mm -hmm. more if the, the, the more the bigger flow of the money, then then if people are make essentially making more money, then why did 
the price of things go up. But that it, yeah. not to go off on a tangent, people seem to want this idea of you know the 50s and 60s or whatever where things were affordable or like you know post World War II time. They want this economy. But they don't realize mm-hmm. that these yeah these union guys were super strong. Like we talked about on the show, like when the Teamsters were at their strongest, like politicians would get shotgun blasts in their cars. And so would other things like, mm-hmm. you know, if you try to do it like the, you know, I, I mentioned it on my last episode. Like we once, you know, we had railroad workers who once had to go into war with the National Guard. Like yeah. this is this, yeah. this is the reason why people have weekends off at jobs. This is the reason yeah. why you even have employee sponsored health care, even if you're a non-union employee. You're yeah. not in a union. Any benefits your job has is is at the result of, of that of that stuff. And it's just if you do want a stronger middle class, like I'm so, and like I'm not and I'm not a big eat the rich type type person. But like when the, if the salary of a CEO is in the billions and, and right. then but your company's on the verge of bankruptcy, then right. someone he's not running the business right because so that's just like me like say i made five hundred thousand dollars a year but i'm not making my truck payment D- right does that right. Make, does that make sense like from so it's just yeah. you know the the mismanagement of it sort of you know it's a long yellow to it's a it was a long road for yellow to get here um you know and i think that i think it's not out of the realm of safety but we can even see the people who dog on the teamsters the teamsters have made concessions they have mm-hmm. essentially and yeah. the, those concessions wouldn't have happened in the seventies. They would have never, they would have never happened. Like they, they would, they would have figured out some way, but like the fact that the union and when a union is making concessions, what they're doing is they're screwing over the, the members when mm-hmm. they make these concessions. So they've done it for the business. So a union of employees have saved the business, the leadership of yellow didn't, but yet the union members mm-hmm. did. So people don't see it from that perspective is union members made a sacrifice for the betterment of this business. When will the business do, you know, turn around and do the same thing. And it's just maybe, maybe they should have thought about that, but you know, no, that's definitely the, the argument that keeps that I feel like is becoming more common nowadays is, you know, union members are making concessions for the business when like it, is the business, you know, making the same sort of concessions and the same sort of, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation. And it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting balance because you could say on one hand, like, oh, if, if yellow, if Teamsters hadn't made those concessions to yellow, you know, back in 2010 and, 2011 and 2014 2019 that you know maybe the company still wouldn't be around but then it's the 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 big question here is like would you rather have a a union job that is not as good as other union jobs or would you rather have no union job at all and it's like it is very challenging to to talk about and or not challenging to talk about but it is an interesting question and i feel like it's something that hasn't fully been settled and probably will never be settled the other interesting quick thing i've noticed from talking to to drivers i was having an interesting conversation with um a yellow driver yesterday who mentioned okay i know my pay is not as high as it is at a non-union ltl company but i don't pay for my health insurance like he has the yellow drivers have amazing health insurance and they don't have to pay for it which is wild to me because i've never i've never not had to pay for my own health insurance you know obviously yeah. my employer pays for it as well but um i i agree that's a that, 
people have no idea what that benefit does. It's the only reason why I even own a truck because yeah. I go to the VA and I understand that the VA is not great. Like Yellow's health insurance, Teamsters health insurance, probably way better. But people have no idea. And people think that's another reason why people think I'm a communist. You think that we shouldn't pay for health care. No, I think we should do what other countries, you know, we, I think we could take what other countries do the good, take out the bad. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be the mm-hmm. best country in the world, let's have the mm-hmm. best health care. Mm-hmm. I think that if people didn't have more health, that's the thing. You want less, if people want less union jobs, if people are so anti-union, then let's fix health care. And then, you you know, the, then you like if, yeah. if people didn't have to pay for healthcare, more entrepreneurship, more business, more people starting businesses. If they didn't have to worry about going bankrupt because if they break a leg or something mm-hmm. like that, or if they got cancer, you know, I think that you'd have more, you'd have more people taking risks, starting businesses, doing stuff like that. That's my justification. Oh, absolutely. But that health, yeah, healthcare for an average American between ten and twenty thousand dollars, like a year. So I mean, so yeah, yellow does. Yeah, say like if you had to choose between making. $25 an hour or $30 an hour, but at $25 an hour, didn't have to pay for healthcare, but at $30 an hour, you're paying for healthcare. It's a no brainer. Right. Right. And, it, and this is like incredible healthcare that like people, people who are like hating yellow, like these employees who are like, I'm so mad at yellow. They like have all these negative things to say, but they're like, but the healthcare is amazing. Like they are all, they all love the healthcare. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you know, getting getting healthcare as a as a um, marine veteran um it's it's um like a lot of people a lot of the drivers who i've spoken to they literally just work at yellow for the health insurance like that is the point like you work there because you can get this amazing health insurance and i've like you know going back to my mom like the reason she works where she works is literally i mean she likes the job as well but like the health insurance where she works because it's a public university um, is amazing. And, you know, the drivers who I've spoken to from yellow, they have had, you know, their, their wives or their significant others. Some of them have had health concerns or, you know, even had cancer and other sorts of, you know, um, illnesses that would cost the typical American, you know, put a typical American in like unfathomable debt. They can just walk out of the hospital with, you know, a 200, dollar bill if that um so i think that's something that can't be understated as we've been discussing and we're not understating it because we're discussing it at great length but. yeah i mean and yeah and as a, i mean as a country you know but chronic disease is going up ob you know obesity oh, rates yeah. are up all, like all this you know all these there's all these different things so healthcare is a massive cost on 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 any average american that's always gone up so that incentive like healthcare is the biggest incentive, like in the American workforce. It's uh, honestly, and I don't want to offend any police officers listening, but I mean, you can't, you can't lie. Becoming a police officer has comes with it. Very good. If police officers did not have the benefits they had, would that, you know, how would their recruitment look? You know, there, there's right. a lot of different, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly why people stay in the military. Like when, like that's, that's such a story. People will reenlist. They knock the girl up, you know, they're, they're three, you know, their contracts up in six months, but they got a girl pregnant what are they going to do? Get out and, and have no way to pay for this kid or yeah. keep their job. So that way that the birth of the child is free. They like, you don't have to pay a dollar for it to have the kid. The kid doesn't have to pay a dollar for any of its appointments. So of course you're going to stay in. And that's why, it's why, you know, sometimes people are hold on to hold, hold on to their retention. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. definitely an incentive. Now uh, yeah. I know we've been going for a minute, but yeah, you did tweet about UPS. So the pilot, so UPS is on the verge of possibly going on strike. What, what was it? So is this after 
I had mentioned it. I had heard it has to do with air conditioning and trucks and pay. Is there more? So UPS is trying to negotiate a contract. What's, what's the dilemma there? So I, from my perspective, actually, I'll start with the, with the, what they're currently debating right now. Um, UPS has said that Teamsters and UPS has agreed on, I think, 90 or 95% of the contract. And the thing that's still sticking out that hasn't been resolved is how to pay for part-time UPS workers. Teamsters said that, has said that UPS is paying poverty wages to these part-time employees UPS is pointing to, okay, here are the benefits, here are the hourly pay. And, you know, I think anyone could look at that and say, okay, that's pretty decent pay. Um, So that's kind of what they're wrestling over right now is that part-time pay. Um, UPS has granted the, or has made, um, has allowed the the air-conditioned vehicles, which I think is still shocking to me that that was not already a thing, especially considering it's, you know, 120 degrees in Phoenix right now, or, and that seems like that's somewhat common for, for that part of the country. Um, I, was out there. I was just out there in Gila Bend. It was, yeah, it was brutal. Even at night, it's still a hundred. That's, that is crazy. That would still be a hundred degrees at night. Um, so the air conditioning, they got rid of the, there is a two tier system at UPS where if you started, you, it would basically be very challenging for you to break into that, you know, the six figure type of pay that packet long time package drivers can get at UPS. Um, so there is the two tiered system that they eliminated. That's something that also um, the UAW is 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 arguing about right now is the two tiered uh, system for workers. Um, and I, my perspective, and this is shared by, and you know, this isn't something that I came up with, but rather something that a lot of people who, who study UPS very closely and Teamsters very closely have pointed to is that um, this is almost kind of like a, I want, I want to say a PR moment, but it's definitely a moment for the Teamsters to kind of rebrand itself as like, look, like we can really deliver big wins for workers if you organize with us. So the idea behind um, Teamsters really fighting for UPS workers is that it's supposed to be sending a message to Amazon employees to say, look, you can organize and you can make a lot more money and you can have you know better benefits and and um, a better working condition and, and so on and so forth. Um, and UPS is a good target, let's say, for Teamsters because it has a lot of money. It's made it made a lot in profit during during COVID, um, and they can certainly afford to uh, make these um, offer these sort of benefits to uh, its employees. Unlike Yellow, which does not have you know quite the same sort of cash reserves and has not been as profitable and as successful as UPS. Um, yeah, maybe so, Yellow should yeah. Yellow should have tried to step on FedEx's toes or something for parcel freight. I don't, I don't really, I don't know. That That's actually really, that I, I really like, I'm glad you brought that up because I, and I, and this is a good PR move for the Teamsters because that's the thing in an age where people think the Teamsters are dead, where people think that they're gone, where they think that deregulation put a stuck a fork in them for good. Uh, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I said it, I made a YouTube video about this. All it would take to absolutely, because so Senator Ted Cruz told, the Lee and Lisa Schmidt this 
uh, when they went to D.C. a few years ago, they mm-hmm. said you have to get organized like that. That's mm-hmm. it. So no matter what your political beliefs are, if you come to the government or any way, anyone, if you come to anyone with a problem, you need you need to get organized, because if it's just mm-hmm. you, then what, what merit does that have? You're just one guy with an opinion. Well, all of a sudden, yeah. when it becomes a thousand or this or X, Y, Z, the narrative com- changes completely different. And so hmm. Ted Cruz had told the Schmitz, get organized. That's what we're doing at CDL Drivers Unlimited. I made a YouTube video. Hmm. If 50 drivers from Werner went to the Teamsters or if 50 drivers from any mega carry, all it takes 50, it would take 50, just 50 people hmm. to go to the Teamsters and be like, we want to organize. It would be national news and it would shake up the industry. But because they hmm. t- keep the turnover so high, it doesn't happen because this hmm. happened in San Diego at Home Depot. I think like 20 or 30 drivers for Home Depot in San hmm. Diego contacted the Teamsters and unionized. That's all, you know, hmm. we're seeing this happen. We're seeing this happen at Starbucks. You just like, mm-hmm. like we're store, like store by store, you're getting a certain number of people. It doesn't take, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't take this national movement of 80 million people, you know, to change something. It only takes, you know, a, a, a good amount of workers and then, uh, you know, a few news articles and some people to support you online to, to where it's going to help. So like, it's, 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 it's a, it's a great move, uh, like uh, with the mm. UPS, because look, look, well, look at what we're seeing. Like, look at how huge this is. You tweeted yesterday and went viral. The pilots mm-hmm. are standing with the drivers. The, mm-hmm. the pilots probably do pretty well. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and, you know, and it's, a, you know, and they're them. also unionized, yeah. I should say. It's exactly. Well, yeah, I, I think, I think, I don't know, like, unless you're fly private, I'd imagine any major yeah. company is all, is all unionized, but like, that's the thing. It doesn't take a lot for these workers to come together. The, the problem is, you know, a lot of people have this fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a lot of people maybe think that don't think that they're at the point where they have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm not too sure, but really, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is a good PR for the team series. We're, we, that's the thing. We're talking about it. Uh, we're talking about it on the show. The news is talking about it. It's floating around the media. And so, yeah, that, that, that's all it takes. You know, it takes, like I said, so if you drive for a mega carry out there, if, if 25 drivers from prime, contact the teamsters and be Mm -hmm. over but that's thing prime these companies bury you in for you know they try to make it seem like union if you if you talk about it you're you know you're a you're a fucking communist but but do you think that if yellow does go out of business that that would be bad pr for yellow or for teamsters specifically for other long-haul truck drivers or other you know over the road drivers not, not if they listen to this show and see what the teamsters have done for yellow. Like, cause that, when you just look at it, all it takes is two seconds to be like, wait a minute, the teamsters did this for yellow. And then yellow, just yellow's greed just kept showing, 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 showing. And then it's just like, and then eventually the teamsters are like, we can't keep doing this anymore. I think if, I think if uh, somebody does think, I think if somebody believes that the teamsters are in the wrong or it makes unions look bad because yellow goes out of business, you're, you're willing, you're, you're, you're willful. It's willful ignorance. You're, you're ignoring the mm. truth on purpose because mm. it's not a failure of the Teamsters. Yellow's failure is their failure alone. And I think they need to own that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, it's definitely, it's interesting because Yellow is saying Teamsters is the reason why we can't, why we're struggling. But if you ask even Wall Street analysts, they say the reason Yellow is struggling is because of business choices by yellow made over the past 15 to 20 years. Um, So even read read the room. 
Look at AB. Yeah. Somebody, somebody at Freightways made the meme about it. It showed the 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 grave. Uh, it showed the grave and the gravestone, and it said yellow on the gravestone, and it showed a other bunch of people around it like this, like taking pictures, and like it was the names of all the other LTL carriers who were also so unionized. <laughs> the gravestone, the original gravestone picture was actually tweeted by Sean O'Brien, the general president of Teamsters. There you go. <laughs> so he love to see it. He's making some waves is all all I can say. And it's interesting because the, the folks I talk to, half again, half of them say, you know, go for it. The other half are like, uh, maybe don't do that. <laughs> um, so anyways, it's 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 an interesting time to be looking into what's going on in the labor movement, period. Um, I mean, even looking at, you know, the strikes going on in Hollywood right now, even though that doesn't really seem like something that is quite related to drivers. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the arguments there are around, hey, please don't use our, don't, not please, you know, don't use our likeness and don't replicate our likeness with AI and don't use our voices and pictures and our, you know, previous creative work to replicate that through AI. Um, obviously, I don't think most people are going to be, you know, shedding a tear for most Hollywood actors and actresses but it's kind of an interesting link because what's going a lot of the especially what what our mutual friend Gord McGill talks a lot about is around and of course um you know there's just been so much written about recently around you know AI and trucking and and this increased um surveillance of course Professor Karen Levy's book there is some sort of weird inter overlap between the um, Actors Guild and the uh, what the screenwriters are talking about and kind of what drivers are talking about, about, you know, how is AI going to hurt our jobs, um, which is a complete other conversation, but just had to throw yeah. that in there. No, I'm, I'm glad you threw it in there because it's really important. And if anybody out there doesn't know, um, Dr. Karen Levy is a, is a professor over there at Cornell. She wrote a book, Data Driven. Uh, trucking and the new in the new workplace su surveillance, I believe is the name of it. And it mm -hmm. talks all about this. And yeah, and there's so many excerpts of that book. And I listened to Gord's episode with her. We're starting to see the parallels. People are just like, oh, AI, yeah, AI is going to take out this. Oh, no, actually, now it's it's interwoven in so much that, yeah, it's in, in a way the Teamsters and the Screen Actors Guild are are on the same mission right now. In, yeah, in, in a way they're they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really fascinating to watch. It's a but, good time uh, to hey, be a podcaster get, or a writer. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, actually, maybe not, because then our jobs will also be disrupted, so maybe not. <laughs> yeah, right? The Lombard Trucking Show goes on no matter what, okay? Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're going to still keep keep talking, and we're going we're gonna to keep it growing. We're going to keep sending it. And, uh, I mean, with that, I want to thank you for coming on and, and yeah. doing this, Rachel. And as the situation progresses, if we get another chance to hop on, we'll, we'll, def we'll, we'll send it again and, and talk about it. But any, la any last closing remarks you want to say? Any, any, uh, any inside baseball, uh, um, you know, save rounds you got? I think folks should definitely watch out on the 23rd or the 24th, um, if yellow does make the pension payments and the healthcare payments in the next few days, that would prevent a strike. But otherwise it does seem fairly likely that there could be a strike on, or, you know, all the protocol has been is, is in action for there to be a strike on July 24th. Good. Good to know. Uh, I'll be tracking it. Like you said, I almost hope I don't want them to strike us and walk out. I'd love for them to shut down the highway. You know. 
That's what we need. We haven't seen a good convoy in a while. <laughs> exactly. That's what we need. We need something. We need like I. I'm a. I'm an agent. I'm a. I'm a chaos agent. I want to see. I. I want to see people's. I want to see some chaos. That's all. You know. I. I. I'm a, I endorse chaos. It would be. It. They do have a lot of drivers out there, so it. It's something. I would be very interested. I'm. It will be a very interesting thing to, thing to watch next week, yeah. or hopefully, no, uh, or perhaps not watch. But yeah, I mean, like I said, Americans, uh, us in America, we've been lucky. You know, Brazil had a trucker, you know, uh, shut down on highways a couple of years ago. You know, they do this happens in different countries. Americans have been very blessed by the miracle of the supply chain in this country, and like I think, and and that's the thing. I think these strikes, and I think that I think a, a good wake up call because you know what? Because Everyone will say, oh, yeah, I love I love truckers, all this. And it's like, but you won't let them park in your neighborhood. And it's mm. like, let's I think Americans may need to see a day, a week of the truck standing still. And then that's the wake up call. Like, oh, hey, wait, maybe these guys should mm. be like not paid poverty wages and maybe have like health care. That's it. It would that's be not- highly <laughs> disruptive. And it would it would certainly I think it would be a major wake up call. For sure. If just even one day or six hours of no trucking would really disrupt grocery stores, hospitals and gas stations, it would it would be a major wake up call for sure. Yeah. And sometimes and I think that that's and I said on the other episode, but I think America needs this wake up call because we are too focused on Bud Light, Donald Trump and every other culture war issue that goes on. I think we're so ingrained in this mm. and uh, and, it, and it's by I think it's by design uh, of the elites and the oligarchs who continue to get richer over it. They keep drawing the lines in the political sands, and they have us very ignorant to everything else going on. And I think that level mm-hmm. of wake up call would be like, hold on, wait a minute, maybe I should stop caring about the, the this trans woman, and maybe I should care about my country. That's just mm-hmm. me. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should stop caring about Bud Light and Disneyland, and I should focus on maybe my you know my own my own country and my yeah. neighborhood and my and my family i yeah but that's just that's just me neither here nor there like i said i could go on forever about this i can rant and rave i do it before i do it constantly uh but um no i appreciate you coming on we'll, we'll get you back on here we've got yeah. the supply chain crisis as a narrative and we're, keep, we're keeping it rolling oh yeah definitely <laughs> well thanks so much for having me on yeah absolutely take care out there be safe Cool. You too. All right. right. Bye. Bye now. All right, guys, that'll do it for episode 83 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Thank you once again for listening. Love coming on here, doing a a little bit of a live recording, uh, stirring it up. Love some great conversation with Rachel. Uh, If you don't already follow her, make sure to go find her on Twitter, LinkedIn, anywhere. Go follow the Freight Waves account. She's the editorial director over there. With that, guys, we're back to the bench.